But this is, uh, this is the whole calling that we're talking about as a church, that Jesus answers this deep question for us that we've all asked, what is my calling? And this is why we're walking through the book of Acts because our calling matters greatly. Matter of fact, it, it matters when you have success. I even came across this uh, quote and I, it resonated deeply with it. it, said this, it said, the greatest enemy of future success is actually your current success. And let me just tell you a little bit about what God has been doing here. Over the last two years as a Northside family, God has grown us by over 20%. He continues to reach more and more people and not just here, across the world. Matter of fact, I got notified this week. I didn't even know this. I got notified by Outreach Magazine that Northside is the 40th fastest growing church in America right now. This is a movement of God that we can't come up with, that we can't control, that this is nothing except the work of God's Holy Spirit in us and through us as broken people to connect unconnected people to Jesus Christ. But here's the thing for us. If we're not careful, we'll begin to drift and we'll begin to settle and we'll begin to step back from all that God has for us. And our current success will actually be the enemy of the success that God wants to build in his church in the future. See, this is why we believe the church is an unstoppable force, not because of us, but because who leads it? Jesus, this is his church. And he is calling all of us to live his life and to walk in his ways. And the danger for us is this, in this season is to forget our calling. That's why Jesus opens in the book of Acts, Acts chapter one, and he reminds his disciples of their calling, that I will, you will receive my power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That Jesus already answers the calling for us. He says, you have a calling and it is to be my people. Not only that, he tells his disciples in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26. I love this passage. He was constantly reminding them of their calling. And here's the calling to the disciples and here's the calling for you and I. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26. He says, whoever wants to be great. Let's be honest, we all want to be great. Nobody goes, you know what? I'm really just kind of looking for a mediocre life. You know what? I, I don't really care if life goes well. No, we want to have a great experience in life. We want to have a great calling in life. And Jesus says, come on, if you want greatness, he says, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Right, you know, Jesus got, I'm sure the disciples kind of looked around. Matter of fact, they were arguing with one another about who was the greatest. And that's why he reminds them of their calling. It's not about who's better, you or me. It is about you and me being great by being the servant that Jesus calls us to. This is our calling. And for the next two weeks, this weekend and next weekend, we're going to look at this. And here are the two areas of what our calling is. And this is what God wants to grow us in. He wants to grow us in our calling. And here's the two things he's called us to as the church. This weekend we're going to unpack. He has called us to be servants of him. And he's called us to be sent by him into the world. To be servants and to be sent. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 6 and 7. If you have your Bible, open that up. Or maybe your YouVersion Bible app. You're, we're going to be looking at the disciples, especially the life of Stephen today, as he embraces his calling to be a servant. But you and I are called to be servants. And next week, we're going to look at the disciple Philip about how he was sent into the world. See, Christianity isn't about us backing up from the world. Christianity is about us going 
into the world. This is our calling. And today I just want to begin to unpack this because all of us want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Even if you're not a Christian, maybe you're a high schooler, you're on a football team right now. And the reason why you love the football team is because you are part of something bigger than yourself. Even at work, we love to be a part of a team. We love to thrive. We love the success of all of us together. This is why I miss us being together so much. It's not just that God loves us more when we gather as a church, but there is power when we know we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. This is why we're such believers in Serve Day weekend, because when you begin to serve, we just go, man, this feels good. This feels right. I know because you're living your calling of being a servant. When we go on a mission trip, we always think we're going to go and we're going to bless them. And then we always come back, you know, with that ugly crying face. I went to bless them and they, they blessed me. You know, we see it at the airport when we go pick everybody up. Everybody's just bawling there. And what happens is this because you're a part of God's calling for your life. I'm seeing this happen in my wife's life. She's a part of the nursery project. Uh, we got a bunch of people here in the church that God just started this. And what they do is they come along people who, uh, who have, are going through troubled pregnancies or, or having difficulties when, when their child is born. And, and it started by just making a, a nursery for them when they didn't have time to. And now it's gone into more and more things. And, and people who do concrete and renovation and, and all sorts of flooring and this and that. And everybody's coming together and using their gifts. And everybody says, this is what I was made for because you and I were made to be servants because this is who Jesus is. See, our calling is to live the life that God has for us. And you see this in Acts chapter 6 that they, if they weren't careful, they were about ready to miss their calling. They got so busy and so many things were going on, they were, they were starting to face a little bit of mission drift. Especially in this time with COVID and everything else, right now our life is upside down. And if we're not careful, this is why we're doing this series. We want to remember our calling. And look at what it says in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. It says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, man, an unstoppable force. The Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews, the Greek Jews against the Hebrew Jews, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. The disciples were increasing, great things were happening, but they were beginning to miss their calling. They were beginning to favor the, the Israelites rather than somewhat what people would say the outsiders, the Grecian Jews, the, the, the people who weren't just the Hebraic Jews. And what was beginning to drift a little bit in the churches, a little bit of favoritism, a little bit of racism, and a little bit of classism, that the widows were being overlooked. And they were in danger of missing their calling. And it says this, so the 12, the disciples gathered all the disciples together and they said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. They're being reminded of their calling. Wait, we, we, the, the word of God's got to lead us. This has got to be our priority. This is our calling. This is who we are. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them. And we'll give our attention to prayer in the ministry of the word. They were reminded of what their calling is. Oh, we, we, we can't forget our calling as church leaders. We can't forget our calling as Christians. 
We can't forget what's going on. I know we're busy and I know all sorts of things are going on, but we are sinful, broken people and we'll become selfish and we'll just serve who we want to serve or we'll rationalize everything. And they go, we can't do this. And it says in verse five, so the proposal pleased the whole group and they chose Stephen, who we're going to talk about today, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Pecorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. And they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And then listen what happened. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now I won't lie. When I read that verse 7, I get excited. Oh man, the word of God spreading, disciples increasing rapidly, and even priests in the synagogue, people who killed Jesus are now becoming obedient and followers of Jesus. And I love that. Man, I want that for our church. I want the spirit to move in such powerful ways that we go, I don't even know how this is happening, but Jesus is moving in unbelievable ways. But did you recognize something? It was only when the church remembered their calling that the growth in the church happened. It was when the church took time to slow down and to realign their lives for the disciples to say, no, the ministry of the word and prayer has to be priority. We need to take care of widows and orphans. We need to take care of everybody within this. There are always going to be needs in the community, but we can't, we cannot forget our calling. We can't forget our calling. If you're taking notes, you may want to write this down, that our calling to be servants isn't an idea, just something we do. It's our identity. It's who we are. Our, our calling to be served isn't just an idea. It's our identity. See, sometimes we can make the mistake and believe that serving is the same thing as being a servant. There's a difference between serving and being a servant. Some of you are like, yeah, Nate, I can't wait to start serving again once the campus reopens. Can I just remind you? You're a servant right now. Matter of fact, this is why even government communities assign you when you break the law, what do they assign you to? Community what? Community service. Because they know this, you need to realign yourself. Even if the government doesn't support God or Jesus or following that, what, the, what everybody knows is this. Man, it is better for you to not be selfish and for you to be selfless. Well, where do we get that from? See, that is God's image made in us. We have a selfless, loving God who has wired us to live out our calling. But if we're not careful, here's the thing. Even if you do community service, even if you sign up for Serve Day, I hope you sign up for Serve Day. I hope you get your family. I hope you get your neighborhood. I hope you get all sorts of your life group together and go do stuff. Even if you do Serve Day, even if you serve here at Northside's campus, even if you do community service, here's what happens. You can serve but actually never be a servant. And our calling in the life of Jesus is to be servants. It's to impact every area of our life. It's to move into not just that one hour a week or just in that one moment or those two serve days a year. It is to be 24-7, 365 days. It's not an idea. It is our identity. Matter of fact, Paul says this is how marriage works. This is where marriages go rogue because you quit being selfless servants to one another and you start becoming selfish. This is why he says this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 24 through 25. He's going, come back to your identity of being a servant and this will rearrange your marriage. 
Listen to what he says in verse 25. Paul writes this. He says, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, I know a lot of women, you don't like that passage. You're going, I ain't submitting. Hey, it's not about you submitting. Did you recognize where it started? As the church submits to Christ. There's a joy in submitting to Christ because we know the love and the grace of Jesus. And he says, in order for you to submit to your husband, start with looking at how the church submits to Christ. But then here's the thing, husbands, for us, it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. See, it's not just that women need to submit to their husbands. It's that men, we need to be men worth submitting to. And you know how we're men worth submitting to? Because we know our identity as servants of Jesus. See, this is what we want even from a boss. We want a boss who will serve us. We want a spouse who will serve us. We want friends who are mindful and serve us. Us. See, this whole thing about this identity, it changes everything. I remember uh, one of my buddies, this started, he became a Christian later on in life, and he, it started to impact his life and, and change everything. He started to grow in his identity. This is why we're a church, because all of us are continuing to grow. All of us are in process. None of us have arrived. And he, he, this, this clicked for him that I need to be a servant all the time. I don't need to serve my wife once in a while. I need to serve her all the time. And, and he remembered there was a couple days where she has to get up early. She's a part of surgery and all this other stuff. And he remembers she has to leave the house at 5 a.m. And he got up, he started getting up and he started making her coffee at 4.45 a.m. And I remember they were talking about this, about how this changed their marriage in a lot of ways because he started serving her in unbelievable ways which made her want to serve him and this whole joy and love started growing in the relationship. And I went, man, I want to serve like that. I also took note and the next time I bought a coffee maker, I bought the one that has like the preset time so I don't have to wake up at 4.45. It can already be set to make it at 4.45. That's serving in advance, right? Don't look at me. Don't judge me. But this is what was happening in my buddy's marriage. He started to grow in his identity as a servant. And it changed everything. See, this is why as a church, we can't forget our calling. Matter of fact, I, I looked at one of my buddy's messages, Dave Ferguson. He's a pastor up in Naperville, Illinois. And he put this out on Twitter. I love to follow different pastors and learn from him. And he put this up on Twitter. And I saw this and this just summarized this idea of becoming a servant as our identity. And, and take a look at this. He called this the difference between being a consumer and a contributor as church people, as followers of Jesus. And he said, here's what we need to understand about being selfless servants. As he says, as a consumer, when we come to church, he said, this is what our mindset is. I'm here to be served. Instead, he says, as a contributor, as a follower of Jesus, what we need to be saying is, I'm here to serve. He said, the consumer thinks about, they're focused on my preferences when I come to a church. Instead, servants of Jesus focuses on the needs of others. The consumer asks, what can I gain from this? The contributor asks, what can I give to this? The consumer is entitled. The contributor is grateful to Jesus. 
The consumer has trouble finding a church family. The contributor joins a church family and invites others in. Leave that up for a moment. Maybe you need to capture that right now and allow that to begin to change your identity, to grow you in the ways of Jesus. See, what I want us to do is this. What we're going to find is Jesus lays out for us how we can grow in our calling as servants. Matter of fact, what I want to do is I want to look at the life of Stephen today. Dude, we only have a couple minutes left, and I just want to begin to unpack his life because he grew as a servant and in his identity. And I want us to learn and look from him about how he followed Jesus when it was tough. And here's what it looks like to grow as a servant in our calling is this, that we grow as a servant in our heart, in our hurt, and in a hope of a servant. That's how God's gonna grow us in our identity. He's gonna grow us in our heart, he's gonna grow us in our hurt, and he is gonna grow us in our hope as a servant. See, Stephen, what was amazing is this. He was raised up to be a servant when the disciples said, we need to give ourselves to the ministry of the word and prayer. And it said, let's look around. And and this was the the pre-qualifier. This is what the heart of a servant looks like. This is what God wants to do. He wants to grow your heart. And some of you are going, well, Nate, I, I wish I had what it takes. I can't get up there and talk like you. You don't need to get up there and talk like me. You know what qualified Stephen to be a servant? It said this, that he was full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. That's it. See, it's not about our talent. It's about our trust. That's what it means to be a servant of Jesus. It's not about your talent. It's not about my talent. It's about will you and I trust him with our identity and walk in his way and in his calling for our life. That's what it's about. See, when we are full of the Holy Spirit, you know what it means? then it means we're not full of ourselves. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. You and I, we can't change ourselves. We can try as hard as we want. We cannot change ourselves. What you and I need to become is humbled. We need to humble ourselves before God and go, God, my life belongs to you. What Jesus, what you have done for me, how you've rescued me from my sin, how you died for me, how you lead me into a new life. All we need to do is this. This is what changes our heart. You wanna change your marriage. You wanna change your relationships. You wanna change the way you lead. Humble yourself before the Lord. Become full of the Holy Spirit and you won't become full of yourself anymore. And live a life full of gratitude and honor. Man, thank you, God. See, that's how you and I become wise. It says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom in Proverbs 1.7. This whole going, man, God, thank you. My life revolves around you. I'm going to find my identity in you. See, Stephen got called into just waiting tables, taking care of widows, not because he had a talent, but because his life was found trusting in Jesus. He was already trusting. He was already walking in the Spirit. See, a lot of us, we want to find our calling. Your calling is to walk in the Spirit. Your calling is to walk with Jesus. One of my favorite John Maxwell quotes is this. Uh, He's a leadership kind of guru, loves some of his books that he's put out. And, And one of the things he talks about serving is this. He said, if serving is beneath you, leadership is beyond you. You may want to write that down. That's like, that's a killer line that I've kept around. If serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. Meaning this, if we're not willing to do the little things well, How do we have a heart to do the little things? Well, what we find in the life of Stephen is this. He had a heart that trusted God. 
God, I'm going to trust you with my calling. I'm going to walk in your ways. And can I just free you up a little bit? I know sometimes in church when we talk about serving, our mind immediately narrows into, I bet they just want me to serve at the church. Nate, the campus isn't even open. How can I serve? You want me to serve and be a servant, but the campus isn't open. Uh, Can I just free you up? God wants you to serve right where you are. God wants the Holy Spirit to work in your life right where you are. In your home, in your relationships, in your neighborhood. See, as Christians, we shouldn't divide going, well, I serve at church and and I serve at the community, but that's over there. No, as Christians, we need to go in. Matter of fact, this is what changed Rome. This is what Constantine saw and made Rome a Christian nation because the Christians fully embraced their identity to serve and it changed the world. But here's the deal. The more we open our heart up to being servants of God, I just want to be honest with you today. We have to understand the hurt that comes as a servant. All of us love to be servants until someone actually treats us like one. All of us love this idea of coming underneath and not making life about us, but coming around others until they're not grateful. I know for some of you parents out there, you can resonate deeply with this right now. I mean, you are doing everything biblically, everything God's calling you to do. You are investing your life and your child is rejecting everything that you are doing for them. And it hurts. It hurts. What we find in the life of Stephen is this. Right after God is exploding the church and things are happening, listen to what it says in Acts chapter 6, verse 8. It says, now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it's called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the province of Sicily, in Asia, these men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Here's Stephen doing incredible things, embracing his identity, and immediately opposition begins to happen. I don't know about you, but a lot of times when I make a great spiritual decision, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with this. It seems like something immediately comes in and challenges. Oftentimes what I'm starting to realize is this, that means I'm actually doing what the Lord's called me to do. Because Satan is wanting to come against it. And listen what begins to happen in the life of Stephen. He experienced deep hurt. It says they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin and they produced false witnesses who testified, this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him saying that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. He's getting accused of everything that Jesus got accused of. Why? Because he's living the life that Jesus has called him to. Sometimes when I get hurt for being faithful and being the servant and living out God's identity, I just tell God, I'm like, God, what's up with this, man? I'm being faithful, I'm doing what you asked, and it doesn't feel very good. And why isn't anybody, you know, sometimes it's hard to get critiqued when you've been obedient to God. You're like, God, I've trusted you. Why am I getting blasted for this? 
Except here, Jesus already told his disciples back in John chapter 15, and what I forget is this. Oftentimes, I forget when you begin to serve God, our expectations aren't always what Jesus's are. That's where the conflict comes in. We think if we're going to serve, everything's going to go great. They're going to throw a parade for us, and all this other stuff's going to happen. And, and now, listen what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 20 to his disciples. He says, no servant is greater than his master, and if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. It's like, what? Wait, wait, wait a second. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, we're sitting here going, wait, why are they persecuting me? He's going, because this is what this looks like. This is what begins to happen. This is how it unfolds. And here in this moment of Stephen being a faithful servant, he starts getting blasted by all these guys. I don't have time in our moment right now to read through all of chapter 7. I encourage you to do it because it is an absolute summary of the entire Old Testament. If you went, could you summarize the whole Old Testament one chapter? Read Acts chapter 7. And what Stephen does is this. Man, he goes off. He just tells them, he, he preaches to them the whole Old Testament. He's going, here's why I'm following Jesus. Here's what's going on. And he recaps everything that's going on in their life. And he tells them everything. And then he finishes in verse 51. And he says this, and, and I i got to interpret this for us because you'll read this here in a second. You'll think that's the way we can talk to the world, and it's not. Verse 51, this is how he closes his argument. He tells them all this stuff about Moses and how Jesus has come to fulfill it and everything in the law. And then he says this in verse 51. He says, you stiff-necked people. Now, hang on. He's talking to Jewish people who for hundreds of years... Thousands of years, God has been calling them to himself, and they've rejected him. So we don't just get to run around and put it on Facebook. Y'all are a bunch of stiff-necked people out here, all right? No, no, no. That's not what he said. He says, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. You always resist your calling. That's what he's saying. Matter of fact, I found this week, this is the only time this word resist is in the Bible. And it has to do with their calling. God's calling on their life is to be of him. God's calling on the life of these Jewish leaders. God's calling on your life for you and for me are to be men and women of him. To live in this calling. And he says, you resist your calling He says, was there ever a prophet your father didn't persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, and now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was put into effect through angels but have not obeyed it. You haven't paid attention to your calling. You haven't lived your calling out. And verse 54 says, when they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. He knows his calling. And Jesus, he saw standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of the young man named Saul, who later becomes Paul. We'll talk about it here in a moment. 
And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now, I tell you, this is not what I expect coming, right? For some of us, we sign up to go to the food pantry. And did you know that Stephen was the one signed to go work at the food pantry? And we think, oh, yeah, this is going to be a great food pantry. And the person who signed up to work at the food pantry is the first martyr in the church. You imagine doing church announcements next weekend. Hey, everybody, we're a volunteer short this week at the food pantry. Need somebody to sign up. Well, where's Stephen? Well, uh, he's not here anymore, but we need somebody to take his spot. Guarantee you, no arms are going up that Sunday. But here's the beauty of Stephen. He lived his calling. Amongst the hurt that people brought into his life, he lived his calling. And did you hear what happened? See, this is why we need to understand the heart of a servant, that you and I are full of the Holy Spirit, that we're not full of ourselves, that we walk in the ways of Jesus and understand our calling to be servants and understand that we will face hurt. But here's the beautiful thing about Stephen that we find here. No matter what hurt we go through, we always have a hope as a servant of Jesus. There's always hope. Did you see right in the middle of them hurting and crushing and going to kill Stephen? Did you see what he said? I love it. He said, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up into heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, this has big implications for us. You go, well, what's the big deal that Jesus is standing at the right hand of God? Here's why. Because when Jesus went to the cross and he resurrected and he went back to heaven, it said that he sat down on the throne. That Jesus went to rule and reign over all of creation. And in this moment when Stephen was being murdered, when Stephen was being hurt for being obedient to his calling, Jesus stood up. You need to hear that today. That no matter what hurt you're facing right now for being a faithful follower of Jesus, a faithful servant of him, that Jesus, even if nobody else sees where you're serving, even if nobody else says a great word, maybe your spouse or your family or your parents, maybe even us as ministers, we don't even see what you're doing and you're being faithful. Maybe you've been rejected for being faithful. Maybe you've been broken up with because you were trying to be a faithful follower and servant of Jesus and your, and your person you were dating, they rejected you because you won't have sex with them. They're rejecting your friends are rejecting you because you won't do all these other things and people are rejecting you and they nobody sees it nobody encourages and you know what Jesus does he stands and he sees you and he says well done well done I see you when nobody else sees you Stephen when everybody's crushing you for being faithful to me I see you and I'm standing up and I am cheering you on you need to hear what Jesus is doing today for you right now as you live out your calling Nobody may say an encouraging word to you today. Nobody may say, hey, man, I really see what you're doing here. Nobody, maybe for all of your life, maybe none of your immediate family. As a matter of fact, maybe a lot of your immediate family think you're crazy for being a servant. Jesus is standing. He's saying, I see you. And I know your good deeds. And I know that you're living out your calling. Don't quit your calling. I see you, the suffering servant, Jesus, stands and he sees and he applauds us. 
There's something that happens, isn't it, when we see that recognition? Whether it's a coach that affirms us or maybe it's people at work or, or someone, there's a school assembly or something that, man, when people cheer us on, we feel that adrenaline, we feel that, that encouragement, we feel that compliment in Jesus in this moment. Stephen says he looks up and he sees the Son of Man standing. He's standing. I know right now as a church family, especially being a Christian right now, it feels like, man, we are taking some punches. And if we can be truthful, our first reaction is we'd want to punch back. But what we need to do first is we need to look at the one who's standing. The one who's applauding us. Because the beautiful thing about Jesus is this. When we don't have words, Jesus gives us words to say. Did, did you recognize in this passage that Stephen's prayers in that moment of being persecuted were Jesus' prayers on the cross? See, when you and I don't have words, Jesus gives us words. Father, I don't know how to handle this. Into your spirit today. I commit my spirit to you into your hands. Into your hands. You know how we deal with people who hate us for being followers of Jesus, who don't want to give us praise or they don't want to encourage us for living out our calling. You know what we say? You know what our prayer is? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. For you parents who are loving your children well and you're disciplining and you're loving and you're living out your calling and you're being a loving servant and you are being rejected, that could be the greatest prayer that you pray for your kid. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. For people who have hurt us, for people that we've hurt, Father, forgive me. I don't know what I do. Help me to grow in my calling. Because here's the beautiful thing about living out our calling. Jesus uses our calling to lead other people to see and know him. Do you see that word there where it said, they dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. And meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And if you don't know the story about Saul, Saul was one of the leading Pharisees of the day. Matter of fact, what we're going to find next week is he is going to begin to persecute the church for being obedient to Jesus and God is going to do a radical work in his life. Matter of fact, this man who goes on to kill Christians, who doesn't know the way of Jesus, begins to embrace his calling that Jesus has. And he ends up writing 13 books of the New Testament. See, Jesus gives us a way to live our calling when everybody around us seems to be our enemy. Jesus is the way that we can love our enemies. Jesus is the way that we can see those who persecute us and we don't have to persecute back. Jesus is the way that we can live our calling when we're trying to be faithful servants and it feels like nobody is appreciating it. Jesus goes, I see you and I will give you the way forward. I will give you the way forward. And here's why. Because Jesus is our servant. Jesus is serving us. See, this is the beautiful thing about him. He's not asking you to live a calling that he didn't live himself. Matter of fact, he's the one who went first in his calling. I wonder what it'd look like for you today. What would it look like for you to embrace Jesus' calling on your life today? I wonder what would change. I wonder what would change 
in your marriage if you began to have a heart of a servant? I wonder what would begin to change in your life when you, when you face the hurt for being followers of him. What would begin to change if you really begin to know that your heavenly father is cheering you on? What I love about this is, is this, that this is the way that Stephen lived. You may want to write this down, that he lived as a servant from Jesus' acceptance, not people's approval. He lived from Jesus' acceptance, not people's approval. Now, I wonder what that would look like for you today. Just think about that for a moment. Where are you living more for people's approval rather than Jesus' acceptance. Matter of fact, I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 12 right now. And I want us just to look on this passage because in the middle of Stephen going through this hardship of either chasing his calling or going back in his own ways, he looks up to heaven. And I love what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12. And listen to what he says here. I think this is just fantastic. He says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Man, let us look up right now in our calling, in the midst of our hurt, in the midst of our confusion. What is my calling? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, capture that, listen to that, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Where's the joy in that? I mean, where's the joy in going and being murdered on the cross? The joy is that he's fulfilling his calling to come and set us free. Consider him. Choose him as your calling. Who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, this is why Jesus went to the cross. He knew his calling. And because he knew his calling, he changed the world forever. Grace and mercy for the murderer. Grace and mercy for those who don't think they have any talent. But all they need to do is submit their lives to Jesus. And they experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Grace and mercy to the widow. Grace and mercy for those who are weary and losing heart. Our servant is calling us to himself today. Here in a moment, we're gonna take communion. Hopefully you have some bread and juice together. If you don't, let this just be a time with you and the Lord that you begin to realign your life to him, that you begin to realign your life to his calling. You may be looking for an answer. God, where do I go here? What job do I take here? Where do I move here? What do I do about this? What do I do? And he goes, uh, you be my servant. Let me serve you right now with my grace and my mercy. And let me change everything about your life. 
what I'm going to do is we're going to put Hebrews chapter 12 back up. And during this communion time, I just want you to read slowly over this. And when you're ready, take your bread and your juice because he is the one who sustains our calling. He is the one who leads us forward because he is the greatest servant of all. Let's read the scripture now. Take the bread and the juice when you're ready and then I'll come back and I'll pray for us and I'll close our time today. hope this has been a holy moment for you. See, growing in our calling, it's not just in a quick sermon and think that's going to fix everything. It's in us walking with our eyes up, seeing Jesus at work in every area of our life and allowing him to transform us day by day, moment by moment. So let me pray for you today. May you take courage in the one who's standing for you, who's cheering you on in the way of our calling. Let me pray for us today. Father, we thank you. God, we just admit there's times when we feel like nobody notices what we've done, that nobody sees our obedience to you. And Father, sometimes we've grown weary and tired. But in the midst of our own judgment of ourself, in the midst of maybe lack of compliments from others or encouragement, especially right now as we haven't been able to gather together, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you help us to see you? Would you help us to follow you? Would you help us to live our calling, not by our own idea, not by our own ways, Oh, God, but by you. Father, I pray that as a church family, we would just see you. We would see you as Stephen saw you, as the disciples saw you. Father, would we see you more than anything else in our life and allow you to change everything about us. Jesus, we love you. We're grateful for you. Help us to be mindful. Help us to walk with you today. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.